Merry Christmas. This is the first Sunday of Advent. I don't know if you celebrate Advent or keep track of Advent. Maybe you have an Advent calendar at home. We have an Advent calendar on our wall and you pull out the little characters of the nativity scene and put them up each day through, to, through uh, the month of December. <clears throat> uh, this year, Missy gave our kids an Advent calendar that has little chocolates on each day. Have you ever done that one? That's kind of fun. We sent one back with Sam to college and at Thanksgiving, he had already opened up uh, before I got to December and started eating the chocolates. Wasn't surprised. <clears throat> um, and uh, speaking of Advent, um, Misty's doing a Bible study through uh, Advent through this month. And uh, she reminded me that it means longing, waiting, and expecting. That's what the word Advent means. And then also, uh, did you know that the word Advent is the root of the word adventure? And it is an adventure to follow Jesus, amen? <laughs> we need that sense of adventure in our lives as we follow him, as we look towards his coming to celebrate his birth this year. And uh, I love these stage decorations, like Phil said. Isn't this awesome? Looks really amazing. We have snow in Montgomery. You gotta uh, enjoy that. <clears throat> Are you decorating at your house? Uh, have you started? Are you finished? Are you ever finished decorating? I don't know. Uh, Misty's in charge of the inside, obviously, at our house, and uh, the tree is always a focal point. Do you have uh, those Christmas ornaments that your kids made when they were little, maybe? Uh, I love it. Our kids get to put the Christmas ornaments on each year, and then uh, we've given them an ornament each year until they're 18 that represent that year of their life, and so they get out their box or tub of ornaments and they put them on the tree and I just love that part of it. But I'm in charge of the outside, right? I get to put the lights on the house outside and we have a, have a nativity scene and I make that the first thing I put up each year because it reminds me of what Christmas is about, right? It's about Jesus, not all the other stuff. Sometimes we get pretty stressed out about all of the other stuff, but Christmas is about Jesus and so I make it a point to put the nativity scene up and then I put some white lights in the bushes and uh, wrap the posts on the carport and uh, decorate a little bit to uh, get in the Christmas spirit. I, we have a simple nativity scene that I put up. It's just four pieces. There's a cutout. My dad made it, so it's kind of special to me. And there's a cutout of uh, Joseph and Jesus and uh, Mary. That's the one piece. Just stick that in the ground. Then there's a stable that goes over that. That's the second piece. It has a big star on it. And then there's two little sheep that go right in front of it. Oh, there it is right there. So uh, it's a great reminder. And to anyone who sees it, that uh, Christmas is about Jesus. In just a minute, I'm going to read the Christmas story from Matthew chapter 2. So if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 2 or look it up on your phone, I'm going to read the New Living Translation. So if you want to follow along in the exact same translation, you can choose the New Living if you'd like. This passage is special to me because uh, Misty's dad used to read it to us at Christmas time, especially the last couple of years before he passed away. He knew he was going to be dying, and he asked us to read it and to continue reading it after he was gone, and so it's special to me, and his birthday was this week, so I didn't mean to get emotional, but um, it's special, and I, it's an honor to get to read to my church family today, so as a church family, we get to read... Uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. It's just part of the Christmas story. But uh, before we read the scripture, let's say a prayer together. <clears throat> Let me lead us in a simple prayer. This is a scripture, Psalm 86, 11. Pastor Randy used this in a sermon recently, and it just stood out to me. 
Let's pray this scripture, Psalms 86, 11. Repeat after me. Say, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, following your copy of God's word, Matthew chapter two. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose in the east and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Wink, wink. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. What Christmas carol does this story remind you of? We three kings of Orionar. Remember that one? We three kings of Orionar. It was written by John H. Hopkins in 1857. It's a story of the Magi coming from the Orient, it says. And I love Christmas carols. Do you like to sing Christmas carols? Come next week, big band. I'm sure we'll sing a little bit together as well as some amazing, amazing music. And I even like to go Christmas caroling. Have you ever been to been Christmas caroling? Raise your hand if you've been Christmas caroling. It's fun. Uh, we went Christmas caroling with our life group a couple of times. We went one time when we used to live in Katy and we put a hayride together and the whole life group got on the hayride and we sang and rode around the neighborhood. I think we stopped at a couple of houses of people we knew and sang to them. And then here in Montgomery, we took our life group and walked up the street. We had coordinated with a couple of neighbors and walked up the street and sang to them. I recommend that because one of the ladies made us cookies and gave us all cookies. So uh, set it up in advance. Then they'll be home and, you know, it's kind of fun to do. Good life group idea. However, we can't take our theology from Christmas carols, right? Have you noticed? By the way, one of my favorite Christmas carols we sing today, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And I think you can take some good theology from that one. That's one reason I like it is it's got some pretty good theology to it. But a lot of Christmas carols, you can't take your theology from them. I mean, another favorite is Silent Night. But do you think it was that silent, really? I mean, uh, giving birth and uh, the angels singing and the shepherds running and the stable. I'm not sure how quiet it was. I guess it meant there was one moment late in the night when the baby was asleep, that it was a silent night. We definitely can't take our theology from we three kings of Orient are. Actually, everything in the first line of that song is wrong. (laughs) 
the stanzas get better and the stanzas talk about gold, frankincense, and myrrh and what they represent, and it, it, it ends okay. And I'm not saying we shouldn't uh, sing it, but I'm hopeful after this that you remember what the song should, uh, should say, and uh, maybe you'll remember that part. So what does the song get wrong in the first line? Anybody know? Three, right? The first thing is three. Were there three wise men? No. Well, maybe, but it doesn't say in the text. The Bible doesn't say three. It mentions three gifts, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we think of three wise men. Actually, what we know from history books written at the time was that the wise men or the, or the magi would travel in large entourages. So we don't know how many wise men. Could have been three. Could have been 30. Could have been more than that. And then just think about all the people in their families and all the people working for them. They might have even had a small army traveling with them for security and uh, for protection. And we know that when they came into Jerusalem, that King Herod and the whole city was disturbed. So they made quite the entrance when they came into the city. Secondly, kings. We three kings, were they kings? No, actually they weren't kings. We need to get that picture of three kings wearing crowns and riding camels across the desert, right? Is that your picture in your mind? Uh, we need to get that out of our mind. They weren't uh, kings by themselves riding across the desert wearing a crown the whole way. I don't think they, that would be very comfortable. Uh, they were actually, uh, the, the actual word is magi. That's like a transliteration of that word. It's magi. They were an ancient tribe of priests, actually. A monotheistic tribe of ancient priests. Have you heard of the Medes and the Persians, like the law of the Medes and the Persians that was a binding law? These magi came from a uh, tribe of the Medes. They were a treasly tribe, similar to how Israel had tribes, and then Israel had one tribe, the Levites, that were the priests. The Medes had tribes, and they had this one tribe, the Magian tribe, and they were the priests for the, for the, for the uh, whole tribe. They were advisors to kings, and actually they became quite uh, influential, and they influenced many different governments down through several centuries. We see them in the Bible previously. We see them in the book of Daniel like 650 years before Jesus, and they're they're, they study many things. They were like astrologers, astronomers, mathematicians, scientists. They were priests who had sacrifices and dietary restrictions, kind of like the Levites, and it was generational. They were, a, they were a tribe. They advised kings, so they've been called king makers, but they're not kings. For many governments, you could not even become king unless the magi gave their blessing or gave their approval. Maybe we can share more about that later in Daniel. The third thing wrong in that line of the Christmas carol is uh, we three kings of Orient are. Were they from the Orient? Well, not really. Not like we think of the Orient today. They did tra travel quite far to get there, but they probably traveled from like modern day Iran. So they would look more like um, Iranians than thinking about the Orient like we would think of it. So we three kings of Orient are is not even close to being right, actually. A better accurate title might be we large entourage of ancient Medes, priests, astrologers, and kingmakers on a caravan from Iran. 
but I don't think that title would work with a Christmas carol. I don't know, maybe Jesse could write us a new song, but if anybody could, Jesse could do it, right? Um, so let's look at our text and see what it really says about these uh, wise men and uh, who they are. Matthew 2, chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. The reign of King Herod is significant that this was during the reign of King Herod. King Herod is right after, or contemporary with, but right after Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar appointed King Herod's father as the king of the Jews, and he put King Herod even into his first political position and gave uh, King Herod's family Roman citizenship, which was passed down through them. King Herod, this King Herod in your Bible was friends with like Mark Anthony and Cleopatra that time period. And he continued to rule as the king of the Jews under Octavian and then Caesar Augustus, like we hear in the Bible story, Caesar Augustus, who proclaimed the census that took Mary and Joseph and down to have Jesus in Bethlehem. But, he, but King Herod is not Jewish. He's called the king of the Jews and was given that title by Caesar, but he's not Jewish. And over his lifetime, his physical and mental deterioration became quite violent and cruel. He became extremely paranoid that somebody would take his throne from him. Very unstable, obviously, by what he did to all the babies in Bethlehem, two years old and younger. And we could go into many other stories if we read the, the secular history accounts. He's called King Herod the Great, but what we know from history is he's about four, four feet, four inches tall. One pastor said that he would cast Danny DeVito as King Herod if he did because he was a little man and he was angry all the time. He was called King Herod the Great because he also was a great builder. He built the temple that Jesus knew. He built Caesarea. He built Masada. He built the Herodium. He was a great builder. But Caesar said about him that it would be better to be Herod's pig than Herod's son because he ended up killing his favorite wife, a couple of his sons, his father-in-law. You might understand the father-in-law. No, I'm just kidding. Um, he, he, he was so paranoid that, that someone would take his throne that uh, became very violent in the end of his life. So remember that about this King Herod when you see what the Magi ask him in the next verse. It says, about that time, some wise men, Magi from Eastern lands, arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars at rose and we have come to worship him. Would that be a threat to King Herod? Well, absolutely. There's a newborn king of the Jews and he's not Jewish and he's the current king. This greatly disturbed Herod. But why did they go to Jerusalem if they're looking for Jesus and Jesus is born in Bethlehem? And why were they looking for a Jewish king if they're from Iran and they're these... Uh, ancient priests of another tribe. Well, the star brings them as close as Jerusalem. So basically, they stopped and asked for directions. They got really close. They got about five miles away, and somehow they lost it. They went into Jerusalem, and <clears throat> we know also why they asked for a Jewish king, we believe. See, what we know about these magi from back in Daniel is that Daniel became the chief of the magi for that time period, 
King Nebuchadnezzar had the Magi advising him. And King Nebuchadnezzar told the Magi, you have to tell me what my dream is and interpret it for me. They studied dreams, they studied the stars. He said, but you have to tell me my dream and tell me what it says or I'm gonna kill every one of you. And they're like, oh king, who could do that? And Daniel was there in Babylon, right? In captivity, Jewish. He said, I can't do that either, but my God can. And he told Herod what his dream was, interpreted the dream, saved the lives of all these magi. So he became their leader and they owed, owed their lives to him. So they had the Jewish scriptures. They studied these prophecies. So they're coming, when they follow the star, they're coming to find the Jewish Messiah, even though they're these magi from the east. They come and they ask King Herod. The application for us is to be wise men and to seek Jesus today. Don't you agree? Wise men still seek Jesus do you remember the mission statement of our church? It's to reach, teach, and disciple, right? Um, have you seen in the lobby the original mission statement? This was there when we came here like 11 years ago. Have you seen this? It's out there in the lobby. If you haven't seen it, look up over the doors coming into the village. It says, the re to reach, teach, and disciple the wise who will seek him. Is that you today? Are you looking in the right place for him? The wise men went to Jerusalem and asked King Herod, was that the right place? No, he was born in Bethlehem. Was that the right person to ask? That could, couldn't be the, more the wrong person to ask, right? They asked the wrong person in the wrong place, and these were wise men. But the application for us is, are you looking in the wrong place for him? Are you looking to the wrong person? Are you looking to a boyfriend or a girlfriend for your joy? And are you worshiping your kids or your spouse instead of worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Sometimes we put our focus on the wrong things and we think we can find our joy in something else. So that's my challenge to you today. Are you looking for the right person? Are you looking in the right place? Even the wise men, I'm not... I'm not calling you unwise. Even the wise men went to the wrong place, but they kept looking, they kept redirecting their focus, and they end up finding Jesus. God is pleased with those who continue to seek for him, and he blessed them as a result. And they weren't even his chosen people, but he blessed them. So today, look for him in the right place. Look to the right person. Verse three. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. See, they knew the answer immediately. They quoted him, Micah 5, 2. They said, and you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from among you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. In verses three through five here, we see the response of Herod and the religious leaders. What was Herod's response? Herod responds, he inquires, he investigates, he asks the religious leaders, he meets privately with the Magi to find out the timing, but he also deceives and lies and murders. If King Herod really wanted to worship Jesus, he would have gone to Bethlehem to find him. What's the response of the religious leaders? Religious leaders, they knew the prophecy. They quoted Micah 5, 2 right away, but they didn't go five miles to see the Messiah. 
How long had they been waiting for this Messiah? And they knew where he was going to be born. And now some magi came and told them that he had been born. And they didn't go five miles down the road to find out for themselves and to worship him. I think they were afraid of King Herod. I think they were indifferent. I think they knew the right answers, but they weren't ready to change their lives and obey. Think about that today for us. Verse seven, then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child and when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. After this, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem and went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Notice in verse 11, it says they entered the house. It wasn't the stable or a cave by this time. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus are in a house in Bethlehem. He is probably a year old or maybe even more when the wise men come to visit him. We know that by the timing and why King Herod did what he did to all the babies that were two years old and younger, right? So in your nativity set, if you have wise men in it at the birth in the manger, it's not exactly right. We have that in ours as well on the mantle I looked, but I think it's still good to have them there to remember the wise men in the story. I don't think we should change that necessarily, but they were still living in Bethlehem in a rented house probably, and the King Herod, um, oh, but they're living there. I believe that they were so poor that they couldn't, they probably took everything they had to get to Bethlehem. And when they took Jesus to the temple when he was eight days old, what sacrifice did they bring? They brought two turtle doves. They brought two birds as their sacrifice. A normal family would bring a lamb, but the extremely poor were allowed to bring two birds as a sacrifice. So when Jesus was eight days old, that's the sacrifice again. So they're there, maybe a year or more later, still in Bethlehem, surviving as they are, and these kingmakers show up to the house that they're in. Can you imagine what that happens? So who are you most like in this story? Are you most like Herod and you're following the star of self? You won't allow God to interfere with your life, to interfere with your plans. You don't want any competition, especially not God's competition. Sadly, you might even claim like Herod to be a worshiper. Tell me where he is so that I can come and worship him too. But he wasn't a worshiper. And sadly, many people in churches today are still consumed with the star of self. Or secondly, are you like the religious leaders they're following the star of religion. They have academic knowledge. They study, they analyze. But there's no real relationship with God. It's not real. It's not actually, not actually in their lives. They knew the Bible. They knew prophecy. They knew the birthplace. They had the right answer, but had the wrong action. Remember that. They had the right answer, but they had the wrong action. Or thirdly, are you like the Magi? The Magi followed the star of Christ. They took it as a sign and they came. And these kingmakers, these influencers of governments came and bowed humbly in this poor family's home. And they worshiped him. 
They gave themselves. Are you a wise man or a wise woman today? What is your response? Are you ready to give yourself? You see, the wise man had two responses. If we wanna be wise today, we need to focus on these two responses throughout this Advent season. Their two responses first was joy. It says, I think it's verse 10, it says, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Is joy part of your mindset this year? Joy is something you have to choose. You have to be intentional about it, right? This was a stressful week. Anybody else have a stressful week this week? Raise your hand, it might do you good. Yeah, stressful week. This was a, a pretty crazy week uh, for me, and I was focusing on joy and studying about it, and I had to remind myself several times that I've got to choose this this week. I'm preaching this Sunday. <laughs> That may be you through this Christmas season. You're gonna have to be intentional. You're not gonna just have this emotion come over you uh, on your own. You have to choose it and place yourself in line with what God has for you. It's intentional. They rejoiced when they saw the star because they saw the star of Christ instead of the star of self or the star of religion. Their second response as wise men was to worship. They went and bowed down in worship, just like Pastor Randy encourages us to kneel down when we pray, right? Even at home. Have you heard him say that recently? I've heard him say that again. Through the years, I've heard him say it many times, but there is something that happens when we actually bow down, when we kneel by our bed or kneel by a chair in your living room or whatever. Make it your practice when you wake up in the mornings to bow down and uh, worship him in prayer. Give him that first part of your day, even if it's just a few moments in prayer to reset yourself on him. Worship is costly. It may cost you relationally. It's undignified. You may have to bow down. It was undignified for them to visit this poor, these poor people's house. But they responded with joy and worship. That's our challenge today. Let's finish the passage by looking at the three gifts. Real quickly, we'll wrap this up in just a few more minutes. But we have to look at these gifts that they gave this is the part of the song, the Christmas girl that they got right. You know the song, a large entourage of ancient Medes and priests and Persians and astrologers and kingmakers on a caravan from Iran? They, this song got this part right. They said gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But look at these gifts. It says in verse 11b that they opened their treasure chest. They opened their treasures. The, the literal word is treasures. I think treasure chest is for us to envision it. They gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They opened their treasures and gave. We need to remember to open our treasures and get. This speaks of generosity because they gave from their most valuable possessions. Maybe not how much they gave, but the fact that they gave from their treasure was significant. So are you giving in your worship from your most valuable treasure? Let's look at the gifts gold, Gold was fit for a king. You didn't show up in the presence of a king without a gift, and the best gift you could bring would be a piece of gold. And Jesus, he was born to be a king, right? They proclaimed him the king of the Jews, and we know and proclaim him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Gold was actually helpful for them practically, for Joseph and Mary and Jesus. I think this is how they were able to leave Bethlehem. Because right after this, they're warned that they need to flee Bethlehem because King Herod comes in, right? This goal that the wise men gave them, this is probably what gave them the ability to leave Bethlehem, get to Egypt, 
restart their lives in Egypt, and then they had to get from Egypt all the way to Nazareth. That's a long way. Have you been there? <laughs> That's a long way from Egypt all the way back up to Nazareth and to restart their lives. This gift that they brought to Jesus was very significant. <clears throat> the second gift was frankincense. Why did they bring frankincense? These gifts are very symbolic. Frankincense is a gift for a priest, and he is our high priest. Frankincense is used 17 times in the Bible in regard to priests. Frankincense was mixed with oil and was used to anoint the priest for service when the priest was first anointed as a priest. And then the priest used frankincense all the time in the temple. Frankincense was used with the meal offering and the grain offering. Look at Leviticus 2. They would put the frankincense and the oil together, the smell of it. People still use frankincense today. If you're into the oils and health, we've used it for scars and for healing. I believe this gift was significant. Gold for the king, frankincense because he's a priest, and then myrrh. This is the most unusual one. This is the one that's like really strange, actually. Have you ever been to a baby shower and they brought embalming fluid for the baby? That's what this would be like. Myrrh was used to embalm bodies. Myrrh was used to, they would soak the cloths in myrrh and then they would wrap the body with that to help with the stench of the body. Also, myrrh was used and mixed with wine to treat pain. It was a pain reliever. Myrrh wine was a pain reliever. We know that from Jesus on the cross. When Jesus was on the cross and they offered him that sour wine, that was myrrh wine to relieve the pain. But he didn't take the pain reliever when he was on the cross for you. He experienced all the pain of his sacrifice and didn't take the pain reliever. That's significant. But these kingmakers brought myrrh to the king when he was a young child. Very symbolic gifts. They represent his life, death, and ministry. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So let's wrap this up with the last verse. The last verse says, when it was time to leave. It's almost time for us to leave. <laughs> it says, when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in dream not to return to heaven, not to return to Herod. When it was time to leave. Now I know it says when it was time to leave, they returned another route, that that meant that they went a different way home, that they literally took a different road. They didn't go back to heaven, that God warned them and protected them and saved their lives. But as we leave today and close this service, I want us to leave different, leave in a different way ourselves. Would you bow with me in prayer and think about that as we leave today? Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Ask the Lord to speak to you about what you need to leave with today. Do you need to leave with intentional joy? Do you need to leave with a new sense of worship and awe for the King of Kings? Do you need to bring him treasures, gifts out of your treasures for him today? What would be symbolic to give him today from your heart? What he wants is your life. He wants, you, he wants to sit on the throne of your life. He wants you to be a kingmaker and make him the king of your life today. I wanna pray with you with your heads bowed. I wanna, if there's someone here, I wanna pray with you 
If you would, if you would raise your hand, I'll pray with you for him to be the king of your life again. Maybe you've never made him the king of your life. Maybe you've been living for the star of self. And at this moment, by raising your hand, you want to tell the Lord, and you're telling me so I can pray with you. We want to put a Bible in your hand as you raise your hand. You want to make this commitment. I want to put him as the king of my life. Raise your hand if that's you today, and I'll pray with you. Anybody want to be a kingmaker? Make him the king of your life today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, speak to us. Show us the application you have for us. We want you to be the king of our lives. Anybody want to raise their hand and make that commitment? I don't see any hands, so let's stand together and close the service with a commitment. Maybe this is a commitment we can all make. Like we do in many of the services, let's just raise our hands together and uh, tell the Lord you, if you want him to be the king of your life. Put him on the throne of your heart and take off self or religion or whatever it is that is there. I'm gonna guide us in prayer, but begin to pray even now. Just tell him in your own heart, pray right now. Don't wait for me. Pray that he would be the king of your heart, that he would sit on the throne again. Sacrifice what you need to sacrifice. If you've been looking to the wrong person, remember how the wise men looked in the wrong place and asked the wrong person? If you've been looking to the wrong, repent of that. Confess, tell the Lord that right now. I've been looking to my child to give me joy. I've been looking to my spouse. I've been bitter that I don't have a spouse. I've been looking to a boyfriend. I've been looking to the wrong person. I've been looking to my boss or trying to please somebody that's a human when only you can give me joy and you're the one that I need to worship. Tell the Lord what that is for you today. Only you can know what that is for you. You have to make that application under the power of the Holy Spirit. Father God, reveal that to us, each one of us today. Show us what we need to do and what we need to give to you. Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you for your people. I pray you would continue to anoint and bless what happens through this place. I thank you what's happening all over this campus right now through the volunteers and through the kids ministry and through the classes and groups that are happening. I just bless you for what you're doing in this place. We honor you. Pray that we be a church of joy and that we would be a church that worships you through this Advent season. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next week for the big band concert. We do have a prayer team up here. If you would like to come up and spend some time in prayer with one of them, they are here to pray with you about anything that you need. Thank you so much.